0: Hi, my name is Paula Friesen, and I am the host of Pouring It With Paula. Thank you for joining me for episode two of a series of podcasts that will give you an inside look at the heartbreak we faced as a family. Heartbreak brought on by those that were supposed to help promote healing. Nurses and doctors that judged and bullied my daughter for many years prior to her passing. Please get comfy and join me as I pour out my heart. If you haven't listened to my first podcast, titled Sticks and Stones, I encourage you to do so. Here's a little recap. I talked about how I began to write after the death of my daughter, and how it would prove to be extremely therapeutic. While it may have been therapeutic, it would be anything but easy. Telling part of the story that was my daughter's life also meant telling the story of her death. Throughout Terry's life, I had promised that I would fight for her till the day I drew my last breath. I've always been someone that believes that someone's word says much about who that person is, and I intended to keep my promise. Sharing her story, I believed, might inspire some to be less inclined to judge. Terry was aware that she wasn't the only one that was being judged and bullied. My memoir, titled Not Who They Thought, tells the story, of the heartbreak brought on by some that judged because they thought they knew who she was. After the completion of my writing, I sent my manuscript to some to read and give feedback. I was certainly expecting some constructive criticism, and perhaps even be told that I should consider getting some assistance, maybe even in the form of a ghostwriter to tell our story. I had never attempted writing anything other than assignments for language arts. And that was many, many years ago. I really wasn't very sure of myself. I believed with my whole heart that it was an important story to tell. And I needed to know if my writing flowed. If there were gaps or questions left to be answered. Did they have an understanding of what the story was sharing and the message I wanted delivered? Little did I know I would encounter someone who would make me feel very judged during this process. In a Zoom meeting, I met a man that offered to read my manuscript and help me in any way he could with getting my writing published. I was extremely grateful, excited, and certainly very nervous, as this was a man who had several books published. Authenticity is this man's specialty, I'm told. I waited for his response and couldn't believe the email he sent. He validated that it was certainly a lot of work, and then asked a few questions regarding my intended audience parents, healthcare workers, as well as what gift I was giving the world. I was a little taken back, but this is what I had asked for, wasn't it? What I read next made me feel extremely judged and left me feeling uneasy. It stated It seems that this was written in what I would call trauma brain. It sounds like it was a great first draft for your own therapeutic work. Which is a good motive to write a first draft, but then you have to think in terms of rewriting it with the questions above in mind. I sat there reading and rereading what he had written, and I have to say I was a little baffled. He had just finished reading All About the Judgments of Others, and that was his response. Had he said, Paula, I'm so sorry that as a mother you had to watch your child go through so much in life. "'I'm also so sorry for your loss. "'I believe you have an important story to tell. "'However, your writing skills leaves much to be desired. "'I would have accepted that. "'Of course it was written in my trauma brain. "'I had watched my child die. "'I watched my child suffer for 19 years, "'both physically and mentally. "'I could add things, if there were gaps, "'but I certainly couldn't change the events "'that had happened to my daughter "'or how I felt about those events.' Perhaps I could explain it better. I really wasn't sure what he expected as I was writing based on facts and real events. For a man who preaches authenticity, he apparently wanted me to be anything but authentic. Had I not written exactly how I felt, I believe it would have been disingenuous, so therefore not authentic. I mean, isn't the definition of being authentic to be genuine? I did not respond to his email, as I tend to make it a practice not to engage any longer with people that are judgmental. This man had not lived my story. He was asked to critique my writing, not my emotional state. I had no choice but to engage with those that judged for decades, but I sure as hell had no intention of engaging any further with this man. Lo and behold, the following day, I received another email from him that read as, I realized when I opened my computer today that my email to you yesterday was a bit harsh and judgmental. This was not my intention, and emails can be very limiting. Before sending this email, I should have offered you what I'm going to offer now, and that is the opportunity to discuss this in a phone or Zoom call. Please let me know if you would like to have a conversation, and we'll set up a time to talk. I believe this is a worthwhile project and needs pursuing, and I would love to give you any support I can. I had already lost trust in this man, but most importantly, I had no intention of being anything but authentic, and for that I would not apologize. In no way was I going to allow anyone that felt free to judge have any input on how our story was told. I set my writing aside while trying to decide how I would tell Terry's story. How could I keep a promise I had made to her, a promise that I would always fight for her and others who may find themselves in similar situations? I had a moment one morning where I had to chuckle to myself, because I had survived the loss of a husband, I had survived the loss of my daughter, and most recently breast cancer. And you're going to let a man that judged you make you question yourself? What the heck, Paula? After much reflection, Pouring It With Paula was born, a platform to share the beauty and the heartbreak that was my daughter's life, a place to share some of my memoir, not who they thought. The story of my daughter began on January 11, 1983, in Frobisher Bay, NWT, now known as Iqaluit Nunavut. This would be the day our family would welcome my third daughter, Terry Rowena Butts, As the sound of her cry filled the delivery room, a sense of relief filled my soul. It was only a few months before that I had to be medevaced to Montreal, Quebec. I had suffered from placenta abruption at 32 weeks into my pregnancy. It was explained to me that the placenta may be partly or completely separated from the inner wall of the uterus, and when this happens, it can decrease or block the baby's supply of oxygen and can also cause heavy bleeding in the mother. I was told that depending on the severity of the separation, I may need an emergency C-section, and if it's found not to be too severe, I would most likely be on bed rest for the remainder of my pregnancy. I did much talking to God, and thankfully, I didn't need a C-section, but I did indeed have to remain in hospital. During this time, there were many questions regarding my due date and concerns that perhaps the baby was either very tiny or I had the dates of my last menstrual cycle wrong. As a result, they allowed me to go three weeks overdue. When our little one decided it was time to make an entrance, it happened quickly. My heart was pounding as I was a mixture of so many emotions. Most if not all of our questions would soon be answered. I felt as though I was holding my breath and it seemed like forever before I heard the most beautiful sound, the sound of my baby's cry. Congratulations, I hear my doctor say, you have another daughter. I remember feeling the warmth of my tears as they slid down my cheeks. She was here, and she was absolutely perfect. Once again, I was amazed at how much love the heart could hold. To say life was hectic with three babies would be an understatement. As happy as we were to have three healthy, beautiful children, we were understandably exhausted. I was also really mindful, though, every moment of every day, that how blessed we were that Terry had arrived healthy, considering all the complications during my pregnancy. My husband Terry was at work, and I had Maggie, who was three, and Allison, who was two, seated at the kitchen table. They had just finished eating, and I had just finished nursing Terry. I placed her in a reclining infant chair. I wiped down the girls' faces and cleared off the table. I was hoping to get a few things done around the house. My younger brother Rob arrived, and I was grateful, as I was hoping he would be able to entertain the girls. As I pondered ideas of what to give them to occupy their mind at the table, I glanced over at Terry, whose chair was in the entryway of the living room. I thought perhaps I should put the chair up on the table, as I thought there might be a draft on the floor. It was extremely cold out, and the wind sounded as though it had been picking up. What happened next was a combination of me stumbling while trying to put the chair on the table, and the girls trying to give their baby sister a kiss. The reclining chair slid across the table, hitting the kitchen chair, sending my three-week-old baby across the floor. I watched the bump on the side of her head quickly grow to the size of a tangerine while on the short drive to the hospital. Three short weeks after Terry's arrival, I would once again find myself on a flight to a hospital in Montreal. It was decided that my mom would accompany me on the medevac flight, as we all felt that it was best that Terry stay with the girls. Even though they were babies themselves, they were pretty traumatized. Upon my arrival, we were quickly taken to a room, where Terry's vitals were once again checked, and she was seen by a doctor. The doctor ordered more x-rays, telling us that he wanted to compare the new x-rays with the ones that had been taken a few hours prior. When the doctor returns, he informs us that he has great news. Terry certainly had a skull fracture, but in the hours it had taken for us to arrive, the fracture had closed substantially on its own and wasn't depressed into the brain as they had originally believed. The doctor stated that there was such a substantial change in the x-rays, it was hard to believe that he was looking at the x-rays of the same child. Needless to say, we all knew we weren't out of the woods, but God had already begun to answer some of our prayers. It would be a few years before we would learn if the complications during pregnancy Or the skull fracture, or a combination of both, would prove to present complications for my girl. Terry would meet all of her milestones on par, such as rolling over, sitting up on her own, and walking. But unfortunately, her speech was a different story. Somehow, Maggie and Allison were able to understand her, and for the first five years of her life, they became her interpreters. They were her voice. Terry was eventually diagnosed as globally, developmentally delayed. Terry was a puzzle, as we were told that she may, most likely, never even be able to learn to tie her own shoes. Terry, however, would prove them wrong on much, but unfortunately not on all things. Terry had poor, fine motor skills and struggled in areas that required balance and coordination. She was unable to read or write beyond a grade 1 to early grade 2 level, and yet she had a memory that was amazing. She could write down phone numbers and had a few hundred, but couldn't spell a name to write beside the number. But boy, you could ask her for somebody's number, and she knew exactly who that number belonged to. In the summer of 1988, my three beautiful daughters would lose their dad, their hero, and my beloved husband. Terry died in a canoeing accident in June, and his body would not be recovered until early September, the day after Maggie's ninth birthday. The girls and I shattered. After his body was recovered, I felt a massive sense of relief. I felt very confused by this sense of relief, and this led to a feeling of guilt. Grief can and does bring a host of emotions and can be very confusing at times. All three girls adored their dad, and he was an incredible father to them. He spent much quality time with them, and I was incredibly grateful that they had many beautiful memories that they could cherish. All three girls displayed their grief in completely different ways. It would be much time before Maggie would break down and show any other emotion other than anger. Allie, on the other hand, had no trouble showing her emotion. She spent much time walking around a room showing everybody a picture, just saying, I just want him. Please just get me him. Then she drew a box around his head and was pointing, just him, just get me him, as though we didn't know who he was. Later that evening, she became so distraught she began to hyperventilate and we had to rush her to hospital. Terry on the other hand was five and didn't seem to have any understanding or concept that her daddy that she loved so much would never be coming home again. I now not only had my own grief to carry, but that of my three beautiful girls. Terry started school that fall and was devastated that her daddy wasn't there to take her for her first day of kindergarten like he had promised. It was a very difficult transition for her, and I believe on some level she felt guilty starting school without him. There had been much talk about how difficult it was going to be for him to have the last of his girls in school, and he promised her that he would be taking her for her first day of kindergarten, and there was no way he was going to miss it. Unfortunately, Terry's first encounter with a bully was at school when another student told her that her dad most likely died to get away from her. Her little heart broken and I did my very best to remind her of how much her daddy loved her, and her sisters, and he would have never purposely left them. I prayed that Terry was secure enough with the memory of her dad's love to know that there was absolutely no truth to what this bully said. Unfortunately, This would be the beginning of Terry being bullied, and it would last for more than two decades. My child that had cognitive delays brought me incredible joy. Her childlike mannerisms were beautiful. Unfortunately, it can also bring a host of heartbreak and the number one cause being bullies. I believe most often because of a lack of understanding It's not as though I wanted to wish her childhood away. But there was a part of me that did, because I was naive enough to believe that once Terry would reach adulthood, she would no longer have to deal with bullies. Boy, was I wrong. I did worry about the psychological effect that it would have on her all the trauma the others felt somehow justified in inflicting. As Terry grew, I discovered just how incredibly resilient she had become. Much of that I attributed to her unshakable faith in God. I'm excited and looking forward to future podcasts where I can share some of the beautiful, heartwarming, as well as funny memories that we have as a family. While there was much joy and laughter in our home, it was also extremely painful remembering all the times Terry was judged, bullied, and shamed. While I have come to a place of forgiveness, I have not forgotten. You see, I don't believe in the old saying, forgive and forget, as I don't believe it to be possible. Forgiveness, I don't think, would be possible, or even necessary, if we were to forget. Forgiveness is a gift that you can choose to give yourself and really has nothing to do with the other person. I would like to thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to you joining me for Episode 3, when I pour out my heart with the beginning of Terry's hospital journey, a journey that would last almost 19 years. Just a reminder, you can follow me on my social media Facebook pages, Not Who They Thought?, as well as Pouring It With Paula. I also have a podcast website, pouringitwithpaula.buzzsprout.com, and I would love it if you subscribe to Pouring It With Paula. In the words of my beautiful girl, I hope you have a fabulous day. Thanks again for joining me, and God bless.